Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Wednesday, December the 28th, 2022, at 12.50 p.m. Central Time. Today's focus, made-up Bible verses. Made-up Bible verses. We continue to focus on what we started yesterday. If you remember, I received an email that made the claim that Christianity is basically based on just a few Bible verses and that these Bible verses are just made up. That it's not what the Bible actually says, but Christianity like really holds on to these Bible verses. That's that's what it that's what Christianity really is. These made up Bible verses and I guess someone at some point in history just made them up and then everyone else later on was convinced, "Oh, this is really in the Bible." And we started teaching it and we started preaching it. And and no one ever stopped to go, wait a minute, is this verse really in the Bible? So they claim there are eight of them. And yesterday's focus, we focused on three of them. Today, I don't know, I don't know how far we will advance this. Now, just remember, please remember this. I have to make sure I get this out of the way for clarification purposes because I know I'm going to get some email going. Well, you didn't even really cover each one of these. You just kind of mentioned something. Today's focus is designed to be about 15 to 20 minutes long where I'm like, hey, hey, today, focus on this, work on this, think about this, contemplate this, meditate on this, research this, and then email me, newsif at yahoo.com. We'll talk about it, and then we can possibly then turn it into a series. So there's a high probability, I've not, I've not made a, I've not come to a definitive conclusion yet that this will ultimately become a series in and and of itself looking at these possible made-up Bible verses. So I just think it's interesting that someone would send this to me. It it tells me clearly they took this from an article. So there's an article floating around on the internet telling everyone, hey, Christianity is made up of a couple of verses, and they're all made up. So let's see what these are so that we we can be prepared to give an answer and that we can obviously deal with this to some level to try to prevent people from being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine or every wind of criticism. But here is the headline to what was sent to me, or the subject line. Eight key Bible verses were just made up. Christianity invents as needed. Not gonna, I, I, we talked about that a little bit yesterday. It says, when I grew up in church, what people called Christianity mostly boiled down to a couple of Bible verses. Again, that's just, I don't know what kind of Christianity you grew up in, but any Christianity who just says it's boiled down to a couple of Bible verses is crazy. Christianity is based on all 66 books, every single word. We should be studying it, reading it, memorizing it, caring about it. But it says, I learned later, this is what this individual claims, I learned later that they were all faked. <laughs> they, 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 every, we, Christianity, all of these years, all of the people who've studied the Bible, all of the theologians, biblical scholars, we, we've all been faked out. We've all been deceived because the Bible verses are just made up. And here are the ones that are supposedly made up. Number one, 
Does Genesis say the world is evil? Now, this one it w- was completely perplexing and confusing. Clearly, they they understand they they misunderstand what Christianity actually claims. They're really looking at it from a kind of a, a philosophical perspective. They don't really understand it. Christianity says sin entered into the world, and the world is cursed. Right? It's under a curse. It's not that the world is inherently evil. It's just under the curse of sin. Now, what is evil is us because we have a sinful nature. The world is just living under the curse because sin is in the world. So I, 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 think, I think there's misunderstanding in this one. And it's just, well, yeah, we, we talked about it yesterday. So number one, does Genesis say the world is evil? And yeah, we, we don't have time to go through all of that. Number two, is everyone desperately wicked? Now, according to this, they challenged that Jeremiah 17.9 and says that Jeremiah 17.9 has been mistranslated in all English translations. Now, someone yesterday did send me uh, from a Jewish commentary that went with the same idea that, guess what? This is how Jeremiah 17.9 reads in our Bible. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, someone sent me from a Jewish commentary where they were like, no, that's that's basically what the verse means. They changed it up a little bit. I don't have it in front of me. But I mean, that was like, that's from a Jewish commentary saying, yeah, this is talking about the, the sinfulness, the deceitfulness in the human heart. And they come along and said, absolutely not. That's not the correct translation. All Bibles are wrong. And the, uh, no, we are not, we are not totally depraved. We're not sinful. And so remember my argument for this one. Okay, let's throw out Jeremiah 17, 9. Let's go from Genesis to Revelation. Can we still argue and clearly show that people are sinful, that we are conceived in sin, that we are sinners, that the heart is weak? I think we can prove that without Jeremiah 17, 9. But according to them, this is how it should be translated. The heart is more closely kept than anything and humanity, what human being can know it. All right. So they 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 argue for a completely different translation. And I mean, we 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 could possibly look into all of it. They claim the Septuagint as well. According to them, the Septuagint translates uh the Septuagint translating the Bible into Greek has this text: the heart is deep above all else, and so is man who shall understand him. Now, I'd have to verify if that's how the Septuagint translates it. And if the Septuagint does translate it that way, that does raise some interesting questions and does provide some serious challenges for us. But I, again, I think I can lay aside Jeremiah 17, 9 and still demonstrate that we're sinners, that we're born sinners. We have a depraved nature. I think I could, I think I could prove that. But we do need to do a little bit more work on Jeremiah 17, 9 just to see. Number three, the third thing that they claim was just made up is the idea that lust is forbidden. In Matthew 5, 28, where it says, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery uh, with her in his heart. They claim that that's a mistranslation basically of the word. It's not, it shouldn't be translated uh, lustfully or lust. It should just be, I don't know how it should be translated, but basically the Bible is not referring to an inner erotic interest as bad, according to this emailer, all right, or according to the article that they emailed me, all right, so that was one, two, and three, we looked at those yesterday, please go back and listen to it, please continue to think about these, work on these, 
meditate on these so that you're prepared to give an answer. If someone you meet comes up and says, hey, did you know the Bible made up eight verses? And you can say, oh, yes, I did, because I've heard, I've heard what you're about to tell me. But here comes number four today. Here we go. Does Paul, does the Apostle Paul, call sexual interest burning? Now, they believe that that Christianity made up a Bible verse that seems to indicate that if we have sexual interest or sexual desire, that it's a burning. They say that that's not correct. Here's a little bit of what they say about this one. The Christian tradition says that sexual interest is like a fire that burns people unless it's controlled by marriage. Isn't that what we find in 1 Corinthians 7, 9? which says, but if they cont- if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. The classical scholar, Anne Nyland, points out in her source Bible translation that in the context of the Roman world, the, born- the burning would be grief. Ancient tombstones have inscriptions saying a parent is burned up over a child's death as in father and mother who are burning with grief. So there's so what they're claiming is this burning is not like burning with desire. It's like, hey, if you're burning with grief, you're sad, then get married. Because it's better to be married than to burn with grief. That's their argument and how we should understand this verse. Now, we're going to just look up quickly. Let's go to the Blue Letter Bible app. This is the only one we may be able to cover today. All right. But I'm going to go to, is that 1 Corinthians? Is that, if I remember correctly, 7, 9. Yes, 1 Corinthians 7, 9. I'm going to click on verse 9. I'm going to bring up the interlinear. Um, To burn. The Greek word for burn is this. Strong's G, 4448. Pura'o. Pura'o. I can't do the little rolling thing there. Pura'o. Now, pura'o is, is, is transla- it's used in the King James six times. Strong's definition of pura'o is, are you ready? Uh, to kindle, passively to be ignited, glow, literally be refined, implication or figuratively to be inflamed with anger, grief, lust. Burn, fiery, be on fire, and try. They're saying, no, 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 no. This is only grief. Their their translation, their interpretation of 1 Corinthians 7, 9 is, hey, don't be burned up with with grief because you're not married. Get married. That's that's the argument. Now, let's let's do this. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 7. This this is interesting. So, I mean, they make these wild claims. It's just interesting. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's look at it, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, now, I think if you look at this, right? Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's forget the word burn. Let's look at verse 1. 1 Corinthians 7, 1. Now, concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. The connection is, how do you avoid fornication that's sexual immorality by getting married and then you can engage in sex in your in marriage and you're not committing fornication that's 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 the context so then why would he start with that and then when you look at verse 3 
and four and five, clearly it's about sexual relationship. I won't get into all of it. Clearly it's about sexual relationship. And then it even says, hey, if you can't be together, make sure you give yourself to, to prayer and fasting so that Satan tempts you not. All right? Well, because if you can't be together, you could be tempted. What, what are you going to be tempted for? Sexual desire. So the whole chapter is about sex. And they're making the argument that you come along and all of a sudden you read, hey, if you cannot contain, you can't contain what? Their, their, their translation is, if you can't contain your grief, then get married because it's better to marry than to burn with grief. They literally... <laughs> That's their argument. The word burn, as translated by Strong's definition, doesn't seem to imply that. The chapter context doesn't seem to imply that. Let let me go back to what they say. According to them, according to them, the word burn here simply refers to grief. It says this, uh, uh, they, they quote supposedly another scholar, the searing force of grief in love and death is conveyed by imagery of burning and thirst. All right. So, so, uh, so they, so, so what did we find? First Corinthians seven, nine is not a guide to getting sexed up people married uh, off. It's likely Paul is speaking to, to candidates for missionary work. He suggests it's mostly for single people. Some regret they have to abandon a love interest. For them, Paul says it's better to marry than to burn. That is not the context. That that is not the context in any way, shape, or form. This is, sometimes when you hear these criticisms, hey, you guys just made up a Bible verse. Sometimes what I want to say is, You just made up crazy criticism based off nonsense. Read the chapter. What is the chapter about? The whole thing is about sex. The whole chapter is about sex. Like I, I, that is, that is bizarre, but that is uh, the one that they, uh, they say we made up. So those are the four that supposedly were made up. Let's go through them again. Number one, the first thing that Christians supposedly made up is that we supposedly walk around saying the world is evil. They completely misunderstand. We say the world is under a curse, and that's because of the fall, right? So that's a, it's very different. Number two, they claim that Jeremiah 17, 9 should not be translated, should not be rendered, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. They claim it should be translated, the heart is more closely kept than anything, and humanity with human, with you, with human being, what human being, I'm sorry, can know it. Let me read that one more time. I need to pick up my iPad so I can actually see it. According to them, Jeremiah 17, 9 should be translated, the heart is more closely kept than anything and humanity, what human being can can know it. And they claim that the Septuagint translates Jeremiah 17, 9 as the heart is deep and above all else, and so is man, and who shall understand him? Now, we do need to verify that claim about the Septuagint. So today's focus, you may want to work on this, looking up the Septuagint translation of Jeremiah 17, 9, and ask yourself, hmm, are they onto something with this one? Look, I'm always willing to hear any criticism, but I still think we can prove human depravity apart from Jeremiah 17, 9. Maybe we just need to rethink how we use that one. We'll, We'll have to see. Number three, they claim that Matthew 5, 28 is... That we we is not about forbidding inner erotic desire. 
right, according to them. Number four, according to them, and this is the one that we really focused in on today, is that 1 Corinthians 7, 9, when it says it's better to marry than burn, the burning there is grief. And that what this is saying is, hey, it's better to get married than to walk around grieving because you're single. I, I, <laughs> that literally has nothing to do with the, te- with the chapter. And then number five, we, we won't get into this one now because remember, today's focus is supposed to be short. But just a preview, we'll cover this tomorrow. According to them, Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates their children, that this is not about spanking. Now, they do have an interesting argument here that, hey, sparing the rod, the rod is not here an instrument of of discipline. It's an instrument of healing. It's an instrument of caring. It's an instrument of comfort. And that Christians have mistaken the idea of the rod here as a instrument to spank. Now, I'm, I'm very interested in this one, and we'll look at it tomorrow on the Today's Focus podcast series. All right? If you want to get a head start, you can work on that today. All right? So we may have to work on all of these in far more detail. Some of these are just absurd. So that's why I, I'm, I'm hesitant to go to a full-blown series on some of these. Um, oh, someone just posted a link to... Uh, I can't click on the link here in the chat, or at least I don't think I can. Well, I I'm afraid to because I'll, 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 I know what I'll do. Hang on, I know what I'll do. I'll open up the chat in my iPad. Hang on. Let's do this. I know what I'll do. I'll turn the volume down. I'll open up the chat in my iPad. And now it won't let me click on the link. So, uh, hey, if if for the person who just posted it, Post it in the Discord channel. Post that in the Discord channel. I'll go open up Discord. If I can find it. There it is. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll wait for them to post it. If they post it in the if they post the link here in the uh, Discord, then we will I will follow the link and see what they have to say. I think it's about Jeremiah. I think it's probably a link to the Septuagint. I'm assuming. Uh, this, oh, yeah, here's the Septuagint. This is a Brenton Septuagint translation. Okay, yep, yeah, um, they are correct. The uh, Jeremiah 17.9 in the Septuagint seems to read, the heart is deep beyond all things, and it is the man, and who can know him? All right, that raises some, why is the Septuagint so radically different and this, ra- this raises all kinds of questions. We, we can open up a can of, of worms here, right? Because sometimes, does the New Testament rely on the Septuagint? And if it relies on the Septuagint, should we rely on the Septuagint uh, for understanding Old Testament verse- verses, or should we stay with the uh, Hebrew text? Which one should we go with for Jeremiah 17, 9? Should, we, should, Jeremiah, 17, should Jeremiah 17, 9 be thrown out and our attempts to show human depravity. I think we we can still prove human depravity without it. Obviously, Jeremiah 17.9 is an easy one to use. But Jewish commentaries, obviously using the Hebrew, they go with the way we understand it. It's weird that the Septuagint. So we'll have to, uh, that's one we'll have to look into. We'll look into that 
tomorrow. All right. So there you go. There's what there's some things to focus on today. There's some things to focus on today. Um, and hopefully you will work on some of those. Um, we, we, I think, I think we can throw out their argument about first Corinthians seven, nine. So if you want to do a little work on the Septuagint's translation of Jeremiah 17, nine, please let me know what you find. Maybe you can do why, why, what, explain the difference between the Hebrew text and the Septuagint on Jeremiah 17, nine. I don't know if you Google it that way, what we'll find, but we can look and see. Um, the rest of these are pretty explained. I am very curious about Proverbs 13, 24 and how we should understand the term rod there. That could be, that could be wild if we've been wrong about that one. I'm always, look, this is the reason I read these criticisms. I don't just disregard them. I disregard them after looking at them if they're foolish, but I'm always willing to consider anything and go, well, let's take a look at it. So we'll work on that. But today, um, I guess really in a roundabout way, we kind of backed up a little bit. Today's focus probably needs to be on the Septuagint's translation of Jeremiah 17.9. And then you can go ahead and start thinking about Proverbs 13.24. And have we misunderstood the use of spare the rod? Is the rod there an instrument of discipline or is it an instrument of healing and comfort? Oh, interesting. Someone just said, I never believed that meant spanking. Oh, wow. Okay. I've I've only I've only been taught it my entire Christian life that it meant spanking and I guess I never bothered to do much challenging or work on it and now I'm really 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 interested to see if we got this one wrong. So that one's going to be that one's going to be fun. But but right now we got the Septuagint problem with Jeremiah 17:9. So there you have it. That's today's focus. For Wednesday, December the 28th, 2022, Thank you for listening. Everyone have a great day. I've given you plenty to focus on. So get busy. I like the discussions. So email me newsif at yahoo.com or well, hop into the discord channel and well, give us your thoughts there. Thanks for listening. <laughs>